going to be reading from John 1, 1 through 9. Uh, this is the English Standard Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Yes, okay. Thank you, Josh, for reading that scripture uh, this morning. Um, Good morning. My name is William Murphy. I get the privilege to work with our awesome middle school and high school students and Um, It is uh, a great joy that I get to um, only get to come up and do this two times a year, uh, once during Christmas uh, and then once when we celebrate our seniors, but it is good to be with you this morning. Um, I want to also echo John Micah and say, man, the people who decorated the stage did an awesome job this year, and so thank you um, to that team, to Lacey, to Sean, to Haley, um, to uh, Jenny and Christy and Sarah, they and all the others that helped as well. They did such a great job this year um, to bring in some festivities in this season of life. Um, If you go ahead and if you haven't turned your Bible already to John chapter 1, go ahead and do that for me. We're going to be parked in John chapter 1 for a good portion of this morning. Um, Growing up, this season was my favorite time of year. Uh, There's so much joy, there's so much festivities, there's so much celebrations, there's gifts and joy all around. However, one of my favorite things about this season uh, is all of the lights that are around town and in neighborhoods and in the cities. And so growing up, one of our family traditions was on Christmas Eve. Uh, by the way, my mom's here this morning, super excited about that. And so thankful for just who she is. And she has been such a light to my life. Um, but growing up on Christmas Eve, um, we would always pile into the car late on Christmas Eve night. And we would drive around town looking at all of the Christmas lights. And there's one particular area in Columbia, Tennessee, where I grew up that had so many lights and it's up up on top of the hill. And so as you're driving up this really big, the only big hill in Columbia, um, you see all of these houses decorated with these amazing and wonderful lights. And it was a moment of awe and beauty and wonder. And even today, Katie and I have kind of made it a tradition to go over to Opryland and see the amazing lights that they do over there. Lights are something that I've always appreciated and needed. And even growing up to a point to where I had to have lights on in some way or some form for me to even sleep at night. There's something about the light that brought peace, clarity, warmth, hope, and love into my life. 
As we move into this season to anticipate Christmas and to anticipate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, we often focus on the birth story of Jesus. You know, the story of Mary and Joseph who were to be married, but they found themselves against all odds welcoming this baby into the world who would be the Savior of all mankind. And the Savior of all mankind would be welcomed not into a palace full of kings and queens and servants and and people, but into a stable placed in a manger to serve all of the human race. Shepherds and wise men would travel from faraway places to see this newborn baby in the stable in the city of Bethlehem. It's a story we know all too well. It's a story that we've sang about. It's a story that we've been in skits about. It's a story that we decorate our houses about. But as we look into John chapter 1, that's not the story that John chooses to proclaim in his gospel about this new Messiah coming into the world. Read with me in John chapter 1 what Josh just read. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Though through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, I love that last line. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, this is just my thought, but I want to come out and say it. It is a terrible thing that it gets dark at 4.30 p.m. right now, right? It is a terrible thing that it gets dark at 4.30 p.m. Does anybody agree with me on this? It is not a good thing. Uh, that it gets dark. And I, I think about just this comic that um, I saw on Facebook this year where this, this woman says, it's pitch black outside. What time is it? Is it midnight? It feels like midnight. It's only 5.27 p.m. <laughs> ah, like, it, why does this catch me off guard every time of the year? And I relate to this so much because just two weeks ago, it's six o'clock in the evening My wife looks at me, we finished dinner, and she's like, it's time to go to bed. And I look down, and I'm like, it's 6 o'clock. If I go to bed at 6 o'clock, I'm going to start my day at 2 a.m., and I don't want to start my day at 2 a.m., right? It is a terrible thing that it is dark at 4.30 this season. And as I think about that, right, and I think about just this time of year, and I think about Uh, the world we live in. I can't help but wonder if this just isn't the metaphor for the world that we are living in. And for the people who are receiving the gospel of John here, I can't help but look out into the world and ask, can you believe how dark it is outside? And not just the, the darkness of the sun going down, but the darkness of a world entangled in sin and suffering. A world marked by violence, a world marked by political idolatry, the world marked by political hostility, the world marked by the darkness of racism, and a world marked by the darkness of our own selfish ambitions and of war. Can you believe how dark it is outside? And the challenge of of darkness is not just necessarily locating it out there, but the challenge of darkness is also locating it right here. 
and the challenge of darkness in our text and in our lives and in this Christmas season of Advent is to recognize the darkness in here as well. And so I want to talk about darkness just for a moment in a concrete way so we can identify how Christ shines the light in the middle of our darkness. And I recognize that for many of us in this room um, and for those who are watching online, we might not be experiencing darkness in a profound way this morning. But there's only a matter of time where we might experience a season of darkness. Whether it's coming out of a season of darkness or whether we are in a season of darkness or whether we are entering into a season of darkness, this is what it means to be human, right? The world where we are confronted, living in a world where we are confronted with powers of darkness and suffering. And yet, when I think about my own life, and I think about our lives in this room, and there's three kind of darknesses that we really face, and I'm just kind of summing these up into three different points. Um, there's three different kind of darknesses that we face. And the first kind of darkness that I want to put before you this morning uh, that we face is a situational kind of darkness is what I'm calling a situational kind of darkness. And by situational darkness, what I'm getting at is this idea that there is no consolation in the moment. What's going on in your mind and what's going on in your heart, deep in the deepest places of your heart, is you don't see the kind of change that you long for. And so as a result, you are in a situation that brings about some sort of darkness. And in this situational darkness, you wonder, when will this crisis that I'm experiencing, no matter how big or how small, uh, be resolved? When is this problem going to be resolved? How long will things be like this? Is there hope for today? And what maybe you're experiencing in this situational darkness is a lot of worry and deep concern and deep anxiety. And for some of you, you've experienced... uh, and or are experiencing a form of situational darkness. Maybe you've been to the doctor and you're awaiting results and you're wondering, is bad news coming my way? Maybe you've lost your job and you're trying to figure out in this season, like how am I going to th- get things together? How is this all going to work out? Maybe you're having a hard time parenting. Maybe there's some tensions and relationships in your life. It's a kind of situational darkness. But that is not the only kind of darkness that we experience. The other kind of darkness that we experience is what I'm calling navigational darkness. And what I mean by that is that there is no direction for your life at the moment, right? You wonder, what should I do next? Where should I go? What is happening and what is the next step for me? So you think about your career, you think about your life, and you have no idea what the next step you should do and what's the next step that you should take. You wonder uh, why this darkness is clouding your vision of life. You wonder, you don't know which way to go. You wonder, is God even with me? You wonder, will things ever get clear? Are you, what you're experiencing deep down is a sense of confusion. And with situational darkness, you experience worry and anxiety. And with navigational darkness, you experience confusion to the surroundings in your life. And then there's this deeper layer of darkness that all of, the, all of us will experience at times in our life. Uh, and it's existential darkness. And you realize and you feel like there's no hope for the future. You can't envision anything good happening in the future. You ask questions like, will I ever be happy? Is God good? Does God even exist? 
You know, I, I make no assumptions that just because we're in this room or we're watching online that we believe that God is good or that God even exists. Can I even trust God? I got a call just this Friday from a student in Texas asking that same question. We are experiencing moments of existential darkness. So my question is this. Maybe you're in a season where you aren't experiencing darkness, but if you are, are you experiencing a season of situational darkness or are you experiencing a season of navigational darkness or are you point, at the point of existential darkness? Wherever you are, no matter where you are on this, there is good news that this season brings and our text reminds us that as people of God, even in darkness, we can live in great Even in darkness, the light shines. John begins with words that sound very familiar. And it's impossible to miss the connection that John is making at the beginning of the gospel with the first book of the Bible. The book of Genesis begins with these words. In the beginning, sound familiar? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty in darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. What we must see at the very beginning is a connection that whenever God speaks a word, nothing can stop it. Whenever God speaks a word, nothing can stop it can stop it. When God said, let there be light, there was light. There was no vote. There was no conversation. There was no deliberation. Whenever God speaks a word, God's word comes to pass. In John chapter one, verse one, John said, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God letting us know that there is a connection between the book of Genesis and the person of Jesus. He is letting us know that the reason we exist today is because of who Christ is and what he has done in our lives. The reason that the world is sustained today is because Jesus is the one who is holding it all together. In the first couple of verses, we get to see something about the person of Jesus. And we find here in the passage of the Gospel of John that we learn very, a couple theological things about Jesus. And the first couple of things that we learn is that Jesus has always been here. The pre-existence of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just this, this person who is uh, a teacher or a good person, but he is God in the flesh. And he has always been here and a part of things. He has existed throughout all of eternity. And we also learn about the coexistence of God and Jesus, God the Father and Jesus. And when we think about the existence of Jesus, there was never a moment where that God and Jesus were not present together. Genesis says that the earth was formless, formless and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, I only took three classes, not, not, not semesters, three classes of Hebrews. Uh, that's all I did because uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I found out I was dyslexic and I had a struggle reading from left to right, right? And when I got to Hebrew, the first thing that, that the professor told me is, hey, we read from right to left. And I was like, I just figured out left to right. 
I can't read the backwards, right? So I didn't think that this was going to go my way, right? Um, but I said, you know what? I'll stick it out. I'll try. I'll see how this is going to work. And I remember our first conversation in class was over this. That God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. And that phrase for formless and void is tohu wabohu. And I could be pronouncing that wrong. But you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to know that that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That doesn't sound like a fun word. Tohu wabohu. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a word that I want to use or a word that I want to be close to. You don't have to be someone who's studied a lot of Hebrew to know that this doesn't sound good it's the chaos of creation before god speaks light into the world and in the opening pages of genesis we see chaos in the opening pages of the gospel of john john is trying to show us that the problem remains in the world and chaos is still and darkness are still present and it's not just the darkness that we face out there but it's the darkness that we face in here the darkness of our own twisted desires, the darkness of our own rage, the darkness of our own experience and wounds from childhood, the darkness of emptiness that we try to feel with addictions. It's the darkness that we're trying to cover up. And in this season of Christmas and Advent, uh, it reminds us of our lives and our families and our city and our world that we often experience forces of darkness. Advent reminds us that, yes, it is dark brothers and sisters. But the truth is that the light shines in the middle of the darkness. And the best word that I can have for you in verse 4, oh, I think I went, how do I go back? There we go. All right, the the word that I have is found in verse 4 and verse 5, that no matter how the dark it gets in your life, darkness will never overcome the light look at what john says in verse 4 it says jesus was the life and that life was the light of all mankind and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and i want you to see something beautiful and something powerful here in this passage the light it shines and it keeps on shining that there's nothing that you can do in your life to quench this light It shines and it continues to shine, which is why the darkness will never overcome it. And one translation says that the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot understand it. The darkness cannot ever overcome. And that is the truth that we hold on to. That the light that Jesus Christ brings into the world is needed to step out of the darkness. Because the light shines, and the light is always shining. So the question is, which you saw earlier because I fast-forwarded through the slides, will you open yourself up to the light? That's the question, brothers and sisters. The light is always shining. The question is, are we opening ourselves up to that light? Right after this summer... um, my wife and I worked a lot of hours this, this summer. They were long for her job, for my job. Uh, we worked a long time. So we took a little break, went to Chattanooga for the weekend, and was like, let's just try to rest and recoup as we enter into the fall. And we were staying in a hotel, and if you know anything about those hotels, in the mornings, it's pretty dark in the room. But the moment that you pull out the curtain, all of a sudden you are blinded by light. 
right? Have you ever done that before where you raise the curtain and you're like, oh, I cannot see right now, right? It just gets so bright. We've all experienced that. And the beauty behind it is that the light was already shining. I just had to open the curtain of my life to let it in, right? And in this season of Advent, in this season of Christmas, where we're, the world is celebrating this, this baby birthed into the world, are we opening the curtain of our life to let the light in? And I believe that's the invitation of this passage. There's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of darkness in here. God's light shines over and over again. Will you open yourself up to that light? And that is the conversation. Are we opening ourselves up to the light? And over the next couple of weeks, as we talk about the light, and as we talk about how the light opens itself up and participates in our life and in the kingdom of God, I want you to look just here at these next couple of verses in Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is just having a Sermon on the Mount where he sits people down and he starts talking about what does it look like to live a good life alongside the life that Jesus offers. And after he's talking about the, what we call the Beatitudes, he says this. It's very few times where Jesus says, this is who you are. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He doesn't say you need to be. He doesn't say you ought to be. He doesn't say you need to try to be. He says you are salt. And then he continues in verse 14 and says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He doesn't say you need to be. He doesn't say you ought to be. He doesn't say you need to try to be. He says, this is who you are. You are the light. And so as we talk about what that means over the next couple of of weeks, uh, Stan's going to talk about how the light is clarity. And we as people of God are people who bring clarity into the world. And John Micah will be talking about how the light brings love and how we as people of God bring love into into the world and Less we'll be talking on Christmas Eve about how the light is hope. And we, as people of God, are people who bring hope into the world who's full of darkness. The light that continues to shine. Now, early, earlier in this, this, this message, I talked a little bit about um, the different kinds of darkness. One of a situational kind, one of a navigational kind, one of an existential kind. And no matter how dark you're feeling today, The reason that we don't have to fear the darkness, brothers and sisters, is because God has established the light from the very beginning. Because God has established the light and the darkness will never overcome it. Today, if you're wanting to step into that light, if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about that light, there are going to be people in the lobbies uh, that would love to talk to you and to pray with you and to talk to you about how the life can enter into your life and make a transformational difference. We don't have to be people who continue to walk in darkness. I'll be down front if you want to talk to me, um, but the people in the lobby are pretty great too. Um, We serve a God who has established the light. And I don't know about you, but maybe the invitation for you is just to look this week for the light. The ways that God is ushering in clarity in your life this week. The way that God is ushering in love in your life this week. Maybe the way that God is bringing you hope 
this week. God is a God who brings in the light. In the moments of chaos, he establishes order just to bring in the light so that we have an opportunity to live the life that Jesus and God has always meant for us to live. My friends, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness. May he protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing with the light once again into our doors. Would you please stand as Blake leads us in worship?